Before I get to my next guest, Tim Simpson, I want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, that's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com, and get Squares' 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Bionic Gloves. Whether you're looking to own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Gloves have you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Gloves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also help prevent calluses and blisters, while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicGloves.com to find the perfect glove to up your game. And this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at Zexio. In 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. I was fit for a set of Zexio 10 irons by a great fitter on their staff. He got me dialed in, and they feel and perform fantastically. They are light. I've picked up nearly 5 miles per hour in swing speed, and they're deadly accurate. Every part of Zexio clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Everything is light and balanced. Swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factor. And the best part of getting fit for Zexio clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before. Changing your game. Zexio clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. NB Park is a Zexio ambassador as are Ernie Els and top instructor Martin Hall. See why and how Zexio can help your game as well. Go online to ZexioUSA.com, that's X-X-I-O-USA.com, and pick which set is right for you. Okay, now back in making his sixth appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is one of the all-time great ball strikers and human beings on the planet, and that is Tim Simpson. Tim is from right here in Atlanta, Georgia, played his college golf at the University of Georgia, where he lettered in 1975 and 76. During his time there, Tim was named All-SEC, All-American, and a college All-Star. He turned pro in 1977. He won four times on the PGA Tour at the 1985 Southern Open, the 1989 USF&G Classic, and back-to-back years at the Walt Disney World Oldsmobile Open in 1989 and 90. He's also won the Georgia Open five times and the Casserole World Championship over in France. He was named the PGA Tour Comeback Player of the Year in 1989. He had two top 10 finishes in majors, both coming in 1990 at the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. That year, he was named the Georgia Professional Athlete of the Year. And in 2004, he was inducted into the State of Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. In 2006, he was inducted into the Georgia State Golf Association Hall of Fame and named the Comeback Player of the Year on the Champions Tour. Over the course of his PGA and Champions Tour careers, He's had 82 top 10 finishes and 202 top 25s. And like I say, he's a great guy 
And I'm so honored to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Timbo, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Chris. Thanks for having me on again. Tim, update us with how you're doing, because the last time we spoke, you got me pretty encouraged about you playing again. Well, I, I did too, and uh, unfortunately, uh, my back's not cooperate, but I never give up hope. And, uh, you know, I just want to be able to play with my juniors, you know, because it, it, you can teach them so much course management-wise if you can play. But, um, you know, it, it, it really doesn't bother me a lot in day-to-day activities unless I make certain movements. But when I pull out a golf club and go to swing, it lets me know you're a little too old for this, buddy. (laughs) 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 And it says, you know, three back surgeries aren't enough. You want another one? Oh, Oh, man. How you been? I've been good, thank you. When are you going to come down for a lesson? That's what we talked about last time. I know, and trust me, it's on my list of things to do. You know, there's no way that I'm going to let an opportunity to come spend some time with Tim Simpson get away. So trust me, it's going to happen. I'll let you know, but uh, there's, there's no way that I don't make that happen. Too much of a great honor to spend time with you than to not let that uh, go through. Well, that's very kind of you. I got to end, uh, listen to the end of John talking. <laughs> when I think of John Cook, I think of incredibly talented, beautiful short game. And just class. His his mother and father are classy. His sister was classy. His wife is classy. They're just good first rate people. Great yeah, I couldn't agree with. Right. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that. You know, he is just one of the, the the most genuine, fun, great people that I get the privilege, just like you, that I get the privilege of getting to spend some time with. So very blessed to have John and you as part of the show. John. He doesn't want any credit, but John has never got enough credit, him and Mark O'Meara, for really turning Tiger into a great wedge player. Tiger was not a great wedge player when he got on tour. If you remember, he had tremendous distance control issues, and they taught him how to flight the ball and how to hit different shots. And, you know, John and Mark were both magicians with the wedges, and uh, John's never gotten enough credit for that. Tim, I want to get your thoughts, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the last time I think you said you don't even watch much tournament golf on TV anymore. Is that right? And, and did you spend any time watching the Ryder Cup? You know, I watched I watched a little bit of it, bits and pieces. Um, you know, uh, the young man that I teach, uh, he asked me when, when I was working with him one day, what did you think about the captain's pick? And I'm like, who were they? You know, I mean, I just don't keep up with it that much. You know, um, I was thrilled, uh, for the Americans and no credit to me, but I've been saying for 30 years that they ought to pick the hottest players going. You know, they have always picked guys that, that maybe were beyond their prime. That they said, well, you know, they have great records in the Ryder Cup. Man, I want a young, gun that is full of confidence and winning and lighting it up. And uh, and that's that's what Strick did this year. He picked some some young studs that weren't intimidated, weren't afraid, and just went out there and played brilliantly. And Tim, with the great success that you had on the PGA Tour, particularly back in 1985 and again in 89 and 90, I'm surprised you weren't on any of those Ryder Cup teams. Were you disappointed by that? 
Well, it, it it was a dagger in my heart when I missed it in '91 uh, because I led I led the tour in top tens in '89 and '90 combined. I had uh, won three times and lost two sudden death playoffs, and all I had to do in '91 after the Bob Hope where I lost by a shot was have one more top ten finish in like six months, and I knew I felt like you know I could do that with a seven iron, you know. Because I was just playing fantastic, and and lo and behold, uh, after the Masters is when I went turkey hunting, and that's when I got Lyme's disease, and it hit me really fast. I mean, within six weeks, I mean, I was shaking horribly. I'd lost tremendous big muscle strength in my body. Uh, I know I went down to the Houston Sports Clinic in Columbus, and I'd done some strength testing a couple of years before before that. And they had me do all kind of strength testing, and I'd lost sixty percent of my big muscle strength in my body. Wow! And uh, for a guy, for a guy that there was never enough hours in the day to practice, you know, I got to where I couldn't even hit fifty balls anymore. You know, and uh, it really took its toll on my health and ultimately my career. But you know, I was blessed, and uh, now I'm just trying to share my knowledge with some young people and help them achieve some of the things that I was fortunate enough to achieve. And speaking of that, Tim, I read early in your career, you were mentored by Tim Sneed and J.C. Sneed. What was it like spending time with those two legends and having them as mentors, and what did they teach you? Oh, my gosh. Uh, people, you know, I've heard club professionals, teachers for 40 years say, it's a shame Sam couldn't teach. You know, well, let me tell you what, Sam could teach. He maybe didn't say it as eloquently as some of the teachers, but the lessons he gave me and the things he showed me, and for whatever reason, J.C. had told him about me. J.C. and I would play uh, every Tuesday morning. Anybody that wanted to gamble, they could come on, and, and we'd take them on. And um, J.C. told Sam, he said, you got to see this young kid out here on tour. He said, you got to see this kid hit a golf ball. And he said he's there when they open the range at 7 a.m., and they run him off at dark. And so um, J.C. broke his wrist two or three days after he finished second in the U.S. Open at Cherry Hills in Denver. And I called him when I heard about it. This was years before cell phones. And I said, is it true? And he said, yeah. He said, hey, do me a favor. He said, come up here and, and help me bail hay. He's got a magnificent farm. And he said, bring your clubs because Unky's in town. That's what he calls Sam, Unky, short for uncle. And uh, so we're at the house, and we just finished dinner, like Friday night. Phone rings, and J.C. said, yeah, just a minute. And he said, come here. So I walk over there, and Sam said, Tim, how you doing, son? I said, good, Mr. Sneed. How are you? He said, you want to play golf in the morning? I'm like, well, let me check my schedule. (laughs) (laughs) I about dropped the phone and fainted, you know. It was like playing with the Lord, you know. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and that's that started an incredible friendship, and I became, I guess you would say, like a grandson to him. And when he was still playing some on the on the PGA Tour, you know, five, six, eight tournaments a year, and whenever he'd get there, he'd ask the locker room attendant, "Where's Timmy Simpson?" And he'd find me, and off we'd go. And uh, oh my gosh, he he was just he was unbelievable. Two things that the world doesn't know about Sam Snead is in six different decades as a professional, 
he never had a callus on either hand. And the second wow. thing is, he never pitched with a sand wedge. He could do stuff that Tiger can't do with a pitching wedge around the green. And people are like, well, why didn't he pitch with a sand wedge? Well, in the, in the late 30s, early 40s, it, it wasn't until the late 30s, early 40s that Gene Sarazen invented the sand wedge. And Sam had grown up pitching with a pitching wedge. And he'd hit this little dead-handed shot that was like you dropped the ball out of your pocket. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And the, the most incredible hands and the most incredible shoulder turn I've ever seen. I mean, he, he turns like a 20 year, turned like a 20 year old kid when he was in his seventies. He was totally double jointed throughout his whole body, you know, and he didn't have to stretch, you know, he, he was just incredible. And speaking of that, and Tim, I've talked about this for years on this show, but I don't think enough people know how great Sam Snead was. I mean, most of us know he won 82 times on the PGA tour and seven major championships. But he was a guy that was a competitor on tour well into his 60s. I mean, he finished third in the 74 PGA Championship at 62 years of age. If people think about Phil Mickelson winning at 51, think about what it would be like if Phil made another run 11 years from now. Now Talk about Sam and and some of the other things you mentioned. Talk about some of the other things that made Sam so great. He just he had, he just had a brilliant common sense about it. You know, he never got ultra technical. Um, one year at the Masters, it was Wednesday and I came walking into the locker room and the gentleman that ran the locker room said, Mr. Simpson, Mr. Sneed was asking where you're at. I said, where's he at? He said, he's in, in there eating lunch with the squire. That's what they called Sam, uh, uh, Gene Sarris. So I walked in. He said, hey, Timmy, you know the squire, don't you? I said, hey, Mr. Sarazen, how are you? So I sat down with him. He said, how you hitting it, son? I said, "I said, not very good, Sam. I'm looking. He said, go on out yonder to the range. I'll be out there in a minute. So I walk out there, you know, get some balls. And there's nobody out there except on the far end of the range, Tom Watson, just the two of them. Sam comes walking out there, and he asked one of the attendants, give me a chair, please. And he gets him a chair and he sits down, you know, right on the other side of my golf balls where he's facing, you know, at my chest while I'm hitting. And I mean, two balls. He said, son, there's nothing the matter with your swing. He said, it's rhythm. He said, the golf swing is, is like a waltz. He said, it's na, 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 na. He said, it's not rock and roll. He just slowed the dead gum club down and. I didn't, I didn't play great that week, but I made the cut. I never played good in the Masters, but, um, I, it just, there was common sense stuff like that. And I still think today my biggest complaint with young guys on tour is you, if, if they, more of them would swing 85% until they really need to dip in the gas tank. You know, for the extra fifteen on a par five, maybe they can get home or something. But the what? But the analogy that I give, especially to young people and to amateurs, is if you are lucky enough to have a Ferrari or a Corvette, any type of exotic car, if you ran it redline constantly, it's just a matter of time before it blows up. Well, if you're swinging one hundred and ten percent or swinging like Bryce and DeChambeau, 
it's coming. You're going to hit it out of bounds sooner or later or in the water. And um, I just have always lived and I still believe, you know, 85%, you know. And if you're lucky enough, y'all were talking about Tom Weisskopf earlier, he was one of those players that truly had another 15 or 20 yards anytime he wanted. Uh, and, and those players, I was always envious of, you know, because with me, it was like, you know, I was just average distance. And I was taught, my dad used to tell me, son, let the club do the work. Yeah. So, and I never tried, Same. I never, never tried to kill him. Yeah. Cause I knew if, I knew if I could get it in the fairway, I, now the ball was in my court. Cause you put an iron in my hand, it ain't going to be good for you. You know, that was just, that was the strength of my game, you know. So, yeah. to me, it was just get it in the short grass and let's go from there. Tim, talking about how we were taught and, and what it was like back in the day, I mean, right now where everyone is so fixated on advances and drivers and irons and the golf ball, but one of the things we don't talk enough about is how advanced putters are nowadays. And I remember when I played, when I first started playing, I used a small bullseye putter. That thing had a sweet spot about the size of a penny. Did you, what did you grow up putting with? And did you use a bullseye at one time? I did use a bullseye. I used both the bullseye and the female model. If you remember, they called it the Lefemme. Uh I used the <laughs> female model, too. It was a little bit different shape. Um, but I still have, I, I, I was an 88.13 or an 8802 putter, like Crenshaw. You know, the heel shafted putter, Mickelson's won two umpteen tournaments with one. Um, I still have probably five or six of them in my basement. I got two in the bedroom I've been putting with the last couple of days. So yeah, I mean, that, those putters, they're, they do have a tiny sweet spot, but it's like you can still make it with them. Tim, because you are one of the best ball strikers ever, and what that tells me is, you got center club face contact nearly every time. You talk about how dangerous you were with an iron in your hand. Most of us were lucky to hit it there a few times around. Give us a lesson. What can we do better so we can get more consistent center of the club face contact? I think for starters, remember last time uh, you asked me for a tip before we hung up, and I said grip the club lightly. That was one of the that was a Sam Sneedism there. And you cannot, if you can take a golf ball or a rock in your yard and grip it tight and try to throw it. It's impossible. You know, you have to grip it light to be able to release the club. And as Sam told me, he said, son, when you get under pressure, it's natural for your grip pressure to get tighter. So you want to start lighter to begin with. And then, um, and then I would go back to with the irons and even with the driver, keep 85% in mind. You know, my dad would say, swing within yourself, son. You know, and um, I just, to me, I just think the game is going in the wrong direction, you know, with the emphasis on driving. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, it's still a matter of getting it in the hole. And, uh, you know, you've had guys that aren't long hitters that have had fantastic careers, Zach Johnson being one. You know, um, I, I think that, there's too much emphasis on distance now. And as we talked about last time I was on the show, yes, the clubs are incredible. Yes, they're computer designed. And yes, they're jack strong. A seven iron is a five and a half iron of 
20 years ago. But the bottom line is to me, it's, it's the ball. The ball is so far out of control. And to be quite honest, uh, based on an email I got about 16 months ago from the PGA Tour, they don't want to do anything about it because it helps in the rating. But to, from the time I was 16 until I was old and chubby on the Champions Tour, my seven iron was 155. And you say, how did it not shorten up? Well, because the clubs got stronger, the ball got hotter, so it went farther. So now when I watch guys like Ricky Fowler that are 5'7", you know, wearing high heels, carrying it 310, 315 in the air and hitting 200 yard seven irons, I just can't, I, I just can't relate to it, Chris. It's, it's just like another sport to me. Tim, for our listeners who are interested in getting lessons from you, either for themselves or their junior player, how can they get in contact with you and get on your lesson tee? Well, they can call Harbor Club at Lake Oconee, and, and uh, they can get them in touch with me, or um, or they can email me at timbogolf99 at gmail.com. And, um, you know, I, I love teaching. Uh, I, I remember helping men at Ansley Golf Club in Atlanta when I was 14 years old, you know, and they'd say, come down, let's practice team, give me a lesson. You know, I've just, I've always been intrigued. You know, John was talking about Tom Washkoff's knowledge and love of architecture even 35 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, before he became one of the all-time amazing architects. I was that way with teaching. I just love to teach. I love the little intricacies about the swing. And I'm a big believer in if you can feel it, you can change it. You know, if I can say, Chris, let me let me show you. Try this drill right here. And you say, that feels weird. I'm, I'm like, yeah, but that's what I want you to feel. You know, for me, it, to put you on a track man, you know, and say you're 1.24 degrees inside on the takeaway and your club face is, you know, 0.9 degrees on downward at impact. How does that help you? The bottom line is I got to give you some meat and potatoes that you can go out and play with. And certainly if, if you're a competitive player, you know, a top amateur or PGA tour player or a young pro, your livelihood demands it. I mean, you have to go out and make money. So I believe in keeping it simple and keeping it simple and just giving you a little feels. I mean, that's that's the way some of the greatest teachers I've had the privilege of knowing in my life are. That's the way Butch Harmon is. He can, He's considered the best of the best, you know, and uh, Butch keeps it very, very simple. It would shock amateurs to know how simple he keeps it. Tim, I'm looking forward to having you as a more regular guest next season. Every time you come on the show, you always make the segment so much fun, and we learn something, too. You're absolutely spectacular, my friend. I hope we get the privilege of having you more frequently when we start Season 9. Well, it's very flattering, Chris. and You, you do an incredible job, and I know you keep people on their, on their toes listening to your next words. I mean, you have great guests, and uh, I'm glad to hear a couple buddies of mine were on tonight. And, uh, you know, you, you just do a great job. It's my pleasure and my honor to be on any time you want me. Well, I appreciate that very much, my friend. 
Stay safe out there. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon, Tim. And come see me and let me work with you before it gets cold. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I can't wait. All right, my friend. Thank you so see much, Tim. Chris. You betcha. Bye-bye. That's the great Tim Simpson, folks, and one of, like I say, one of the all-time great ball strikers and just great human beings on the planet. And there's no way I let that invitation get away from me. So look to working with Tim and then having him on as a more regular guest uh, when we come back for season number nine in March. 